Wow. The Lord is good. The Lord's still got a plan and purpose. I want you to say that out loud, that the, that the Lord still has a plan and a purpose. Wow. Well, amen. Amen. It's good to be together as his body today, isn't it? It's good to gather as his body. And, uh, you know, we're not a huge uh, cell of his body. Uh, we are just a small piece. But uh, the Lord raised up uh, 11 disciples, stayed faithful to the Lord, right? We have John is one man, Peter's one man, Paul's one man, right? And the, even the upper room was only a, 120, right? So we need to realize how important it is that we continue to do what the Lord has put on our hearts to do. 11 people changed the world. We are here today because of those 11, because the Lord multiplied. That's how the Lord works. So you need to know today that your prayers are so powerful and they are not invalid. I've been saying that and I encouraged you last week. I need to encourage you again today that the prayers that you've been praying, they are sealed in heaven. They're in the heavenly places, and there is a cosmic war going on for territory. We know that. We've been saying that, and I'm not going to preach on that uh, today. Uh, well, maybe a little bit, but not, we're not going to get into the depth of that, but we are God's people, and we just keep declaring who God is. Amen. And I want you to open your Bibles or look to the screen right away. I'm going to get right into his word. I want you to look with me at the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1. And it says, After this, the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Munites declared war on Jehoshaphat. And messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army from Edom or Syria is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea, and they are already at Hazaron, uh, Tamar, and this was another name for Engedi. And then it says in verse 3 that Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news. Jehoshaphat had a kingdom that was relatively peaceful. He was ruling over Judah, and he was a man after God's heart. The Bible says a couple of chapters earlier that he followed in the footsteps of his father David. He was a good man, and they had a good thing going on in their kingdom. And then this time came where uh, an army, an armies, decided, we want your land. We're going to take your land. And the Bible says that when Jehoshaphat saw it, he was filled with faith because he knew who God was. Well, ultimately, yes, that's what we're going to get into today, but initially, he was filled with fear. Everybody, I want you to say it out loud. Don't be afraid to say it. Jehoshaphat was afraid. Jehoshaphat was confused. He was, he was disheartened. He was heavy. He didn't know why this was happening. God, I'm a good man. God, you gave me promises. God, I've been taking, this, taking care of this kingdom properly, I believe, and what is this army doing? And he was afraid, but there's not even a comma, there's not even a next verse, and it says 
that even though he was afraid, he fueled his fear with faith. That even though he was confused and disheartened, he used it in the way that we should. See, as Christians, at a time when the enemy may come to you, and he will, and he will come at times of peace, he'll certainly come when things are low, but maybe you're a little more ready for him then. But at times of peace, or at times of hope, or you're filled with hope, he may come and cause a sudden fear. Sudden fear, sudden terror. And we should not be afraid to say we're afraid. That's not a lack of faith. You can't help your human emotion of fear. You can't help the human emotion of discouragement. What you can do is not let that thing take root in you and grow into a tree. Because that's what it will try to do. And we can get into that teaching. But we know that Jesus cursed, right, the fig tree to the root. He dealt with the root of it, right? Fear grows into something that controls your life. But the root of it, we curse that root. We deal with the root. And we, we recognize it. And we deal with it before the Lord, and this is the way we do it. It says that he begged the Lord for guidance, and he also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. Now, the Bible says that he had fear, which is the opposite of faith, which I've just said, but he turned that fear into faith. Everybody say, turn the fear into into faith. It's actually a great gift. Do you know that? I've talked about this before. I don't want to waste too much time on rabbit trails today, but your body, God designed it with a fight or flight, right? A a computer system inside you. It's actually happening faster than you. Just talked about this recently. Your body will start responding because of fear. Like when a bear is chasing you, you start running before you even really know why you're running. Is it just a friend of yours in a bear suit or is it a real bear? I, my body doesn't want to find out. It's going to start running until I figure out, okay, assess the situation. Is this a safe situation now? And the Bible tells us that Jehoshaphat was afraid, and his body would have been doing a natural chemical reaction inside, and his heart starts having palpitations. Come on, you feel it in your stomach. You know, you feel discouraged. You feel heavy. You feel weighty. And all those things happen. You can't even help that. But then we do what he did, and we call on the Lord. That's what I do. When I don't know what to do, I call on him. When I'm afraid, I look to the Lord. When I'm discouraged, I go to him for encouragement. And that's what the Bible says that he did. He begged the Lord. See, because fear is a human condition. Everybody say fear is a human condition. Do you know in heaven, I know it's hard for us to understand, but in heaven there's no such thing as fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but we are in a human body with a uh, redeemed, blood-covered, Holy Spirit-united spirit inside, yet there's still a shell of humanity around us for a little while. And that spirit inside of us that is not of fear 
won't have fear once this, this earth is gone. But in the meantime, there's the human condition. And what we must do is be spirit people, which means that we deny the flesh. We are not unaware of it. And in controlling it, it doesn't mean that it won't try to keep popping its head up. But we keep suppressing it with more praise, more worship. I'm getting ahead of it because that's where Jehoshaphat goes. We're going to praise him like we did this morning. Amen. It's not a coincidence that the Lord said to me last night, I want you to speak about Jehoshaphat again. And I said, okay, Lord. Yes, Lord. Then TJ, literally that's where those lines from that song come. Song number one, he and I didn't discuss that. Those lines, and we're going to get into them, they're right from that, that story. It's not a coincidence that this church was filled with faith today and praised and worshipped him. That's our response, isn't it? Because we know who our God is. So he decided, see, what asking the Lord for guidance is, is because the Bible says we need a new mind. We need a renewed spirit. We need to think differently. And I'm not just talking about, you know, sitting down and calculating how have I been thinking and trying to think differently. You know, the world comes up with all those new age kind of ways of doing that junk, to put it nicely. But you need a renewed mind. That means that it's not even thoughts that you could try to imagine or think. The Lord will literally imprint a new way of thinking inside you. Who's experienced that so far? Who's experienced, right? You think, you're like, man, I can't believe how I used to think. I can't even believe it. And I can't believe the way I think today and the things that I know today. And simultaneously, well, he's pleading with God to get rid of the human mind. I need your wisdom because my mind is telling me this is what it looks like and this is what it means. I need your wisdom. And the second thing is he said he, he, uh, he and his nation began to fast, which we have been doing routinely this year. And it's because I'm recognizing that this is greater than me. This is beyond me. Something is bigger than me happening, Lord. And I need you to deal with it. So I'm gonna, what fasting really is, is it's a symbolism. Come on, we take communion. We know that, you know, that's just a symbol of the body and the blood, right? That's a symbol of it. But when we do it, there's power in it. There's power in the symbolism of fasting because we are stepping back and saying, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm obviously not in control of the situation. I'm not going to rely on this human condition and this human mind. And really, it's denial of self. It's not new age. It's not fleshy. I mean, the world tries to copy it. The Buddhists do it. The Hindus do it. But what we are doing, because the devil's a copycat, by the way, but what we are doing is stepping back and saying, God, I'm, I'm out of this. You've got this. Amen. So it says, verse 4, So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. And Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. Are we okay with this pace? I'm talking fast because I want to get through. There's 30 verses. And I want to get through all of them. I'm going to keep talking. Are we okay? Everybody, we're good. So, it says that Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. They sought the Lord. 
verse 4, and they stood in front of the temple, verse 5, and said, Lord, he prays, O Lord, God of our ancestors. You alone. There is so much power in this. He makes a couple of declarations, and depending on your translation, they're about the same wording, but he makes some declarations. Number one, you alone are the God who's in heaven. I need you to know that today. The Lord wants you to know that today. That if you're listening out there on the podcast, you need to know this today. God alone is God in heaven. There is no other God. Okay, Satan, when I say there's a cosmic war, Satan is not in competition with God. Satan doesn't win. I've got the end of the story already written. We're just inside of time. I mean, there are even theories, and I'm not, I'm not opposed to them. I might be on this side, that technically the war is already done, that what you're living is really inside of time, but your spirit's already seated with Christ. And I have so many verses to back that up, that when God said it's finished uh, on the cross, Jesus said it's finished, and when God said that it was done and he rested on day seven, that's, it's, that we're actually living in that time, we're outside of time. I know it's our minds just start short-circuiting. Our minds, they can't compute because we live in time. We live in this reality. But I actually see Satan defeated already there. Day seven, it's done. God didn't rest and then say, okay, Satan, you do your thing. I'm just going to rest and take a break. Jesus said it's finished. What did he say it was finished to? We know. The scriptures are clear. I don't have time to go into the references. You can see me after. But Jesus made it clear that the cross was pounded down into Golgotha, that sin and death were uh, conquered that day that the keys of hell were stolen. That very moment. It's already done. We need to recognize who God is. He said, you are the ruler of of all the kingdoms of the earth. God is ruler of all the kingdoms. Everybody, I, I need you to say this out. I don't think you believe me today. I don't think I believe me. I'm going to say it again. God is ruler of each and every single, even the tiniest, little, most insignificant, and the greatest who rise up and and pride against God, God is ruler over them. If you said every word I just did, you just got a gold star. He is ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. Right now, like never before, you need to remember that God is ruler over all the kingdoms of the earth. There are things going on that you don't understand because your human mind is trying to calculate and figure it out. Just take your mind and put it on the altar where it's supposed to be and watch it burn. Because that's what the Bible says. I have many, many verses of that, but the picture is that we actually, the sacrifice was an animal but Jesus became the animal, but we join with Jesus, present tense. Not one day when you die, your body goes on the altar. When I come to Christ, what I've agreed to do, my agreement on my side of the covenant, Romans 12 verse 1, for instance, right, is that I'm putting 
my body on that altar and it burns. That includes my human mind that's calculating and figuring and has fear and worries and struggles and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, mind. I'm looking to your word. I look to you. If we get trapped within time, I've been saying this through these weeks because I really believe that the, it's so important that we get this. I need to get this. We need to get this, that God is outside of time. He doesn't work in the parameters of humanity. God has his own timetable, and it's perfect. Everybody say his timetable is perfect. It says, you are the ruler of the kingdoms of the earth, and you are powerful and mighty. In fact, I mean, you get into this might of God. It's one of the spirits of God. You start really looking into what that is. It's not just that he's mighty, he's strong, he's got big muscles in heaven. I mean, we're talking, <laughs> you can't even fathom it. Last Sunday, I felt compelled, because sometimes I do that. Uh, I watched these videos on space, just how big it is and how little we are. And then what they do is they keep zooming out you know, from start from Earth and then just show how big the sun, just the sun is. But then the stars that the sun is like literally is not even measurable on and so on. And, and that really, I don't, under, I don't know how it works, but God is bigger than that. Because when he spoke, my Bible says that it was. It just doesn't make sense. That's who God is. That's the powerful and mighty God we serve. No one can stand against him. <laughs> I'm filled with joy today. The Lord supernaturally, I'm not saying I felt this way all week, but today, I mean, I knew what I needed to do, and I knew what to do methodically. You know, I'm saying not my mind, but I knew the method, which is praise him anyway, worship him anyway, thank him anyway, etc. We're going to keep, hopefully, get into more of that. But it doesn't mean my human mind was caught up yet. But this morning, man, I'm just filled with faith. It's been increasing, actually. I said to someone yesterday that it's increasing. I feel it increasing. My faith and my confidence is increasing, which is odd in humanity. I mean, for what 2020 is. But today, especially when I came into this room, I really, actually I was in the back and I said, Lord, uh, put your word in my spirit. And I felt like there was a download from heaven instantly, just, okay, yes, Lord. Okay, here we go. I'm not saying that it's not God other weeks, but I don't always feel it. And we don't go by feelings. I'm going to get up and be faithful and preach his word no matter what. His word is his word. But I get so excited when my human part, you know, actually is aware of what's happening in the spirit, which is always happening, right? You, you think you're, you're in a bad day, you're in a bad mood, someone says something and, and you say something to them. You don't even know what you said. And all of a sudden, you boosted them you built them up with scriptures that are deep within your spirit, even though your human part of you was off that day. Who's done that? And then you repent for your human part because you're like, oh, Lord, 
I realize that you're still God today. But today, my human part and my spirit part, I love when that happens. We're united, and I believe that's the spirit that's been in this church this morning. There's faith here today. And we need to know no one can stand against our God. You know what no one means? We need a word study here. No one. This is in the seen or the unseen. Any level, anything you out of in understanding, outside of understanding, no one stands against him. Okay, I better keep moving here. Verse 7. Oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm, I'm just, I'm serious. God is so good. Well, I need to say this again. God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when we arrived? And did you not give us this land forever? Come on, church. Wow. To the descendants of your friend Abraham. Your people settled here and established a temple to honor your name. They said, whenever we are faced with any calamity, such as war, plague, or famine, we can come and stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored, and we can cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us and rescue us. Amen. Firstly, I want to say two things about this chunk of scripture that I've just read. Number one, we must remember God's promises. And that's been a common theme throughout this year. You have to remember. We're so forgetful. We remember God on Sunday. Monday morning, we forget God. Right? As soon as the day it, we wake up a little bit on the wrong side of the bed, coffee machine is broken or whatever, right? You're late to work, clothes are wrinkled, and suddenly God has disappeared. Right? Who can relate? How silly, though. How silly, but yet we can all identify because we are in this human condition. But we must know something. We must remember that God has made us promises that are above and beyond the natural. They are above and beyond. And they are from his word. But also God has given many of us in here, and I believe this church, personal promises. Some people don't believe in that. I believe that God has given us many promises. He's given this nation promises, given my family promises, given this church promises. You have to choose to hold on to them. You know, the promise does not come automatic. I know that's hard to imagine because I just talked about God being above it all. He's above the kingdoms. He's superior. And yet, when I read my word from Genesis through Revelation, I see this intertwined koinonia, the Bible calls it in the Greek, of God and humanity. It's that God has a plan and a purpose and a will, and yet his people must cry out, 
as people must pray, at times they must defend, at times they must stand, etc. But when we grab a hold of his promises like the people in his word do, that's the point. It doesn't, I don't know how you have to grab a hold of his promises in your situation from situation to situation, but when you do, at that point, you must just hold on and know that you know that you know that you know that you know that God is God and that he will work it out. The second thing we must do, and I know this is funny, is remind God of his promises. But go through his word. All the greats in the entire word, they look at God and they say, God, just like Jehoshaphat does here, God, this is what you said. I know it now. And really what we're doing is, you think that God forgot his promises? What we're doing is we are now engaging and we are connecting our prayers and our cries to heaven. And I don't know exactly how it happens. I'm not trying to give you some doctrinal, you know, breakdown of what's happening. But I know it happens. Because my word says it. And they all do this. You go through, we don't have time, certainly today. But you go through it and every single one of the greats in the entire word do this. They grab a hold of the promise and they eat it, becomes one with them. They experience it. And then they say, God, this is your promise. Don't forget. Don't forget what you've said to us, Lord. And he continues in verse 10. He says, now, Lord, that's your promise. So now I need to show you, just in case from heaven you couldn't see what was happening, God. God, just in case you can't see what's happening in my life and in my situation, let me, let me just refresh you, God. But he says... See what the armies of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir are doing. You would not let our ancestors uh, invade those nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them and did not destroy them, right? Remember the history to that? We don't have time for that. But that actually happened. He's not just talking about a metaphor. They, when they left Egypt, they, God said, don't touch these nations. And he, and he left them for a time. Uh, and now verse 11, the very people that they were gracious to now are coming to do something to them. They didn't touch them, and now they want to inflict Jehoshaphat and Judah. In verse 11, now see how they reward us, for they have come to throw us out of your land, which you gave us as an inheritance. There's a people who's seeking to throw you out of the promise that God gave you. There's an enemy that has come Two, and this happens in many parts and points of your life where the enemy will try to steal your victories, your miracles, your promises, your inheritance. We know what the ultimate inheritance is. It's not a homeland, right? It's not a home. It's not a car. It's not an inheritance. It's not even children. I mean, those are inheritances that we are thankful for. But the greatest inheritance the Bible tells us is what? It's Jesus Christ. That's our inheritance. He supersedes it all and all the other stuff, which is amazing. The Bible says children are a blessing. Your quiver is full, right? When you have a full quiver, it's a blessing. But even that, even your children are not your inheritance. It's Jesus Christ. They are blessings that we get to experience while we're here. And hopefully we do the job that he's asked us to do and we actually multiply the kingdom of God into them. But ultimately, God is our inheritance. I just wanted to remind us of that today.
He's our inheritance, and God's kingdom is not of the earth. I want you to say that out loud. God's kingdom is not of this earth. Do you know that Israel was kicked out of their homeland for almost 2,000 years? Did they become a non-existent nation? They were still a nation without a homeland, but the nation itself. How strange, because usually when you leave your land and you go to a new land, that's your identity, right? You know, we say, oh, I'm Italian, I'm Irish, right? I'm these things, you know, I'm, I, this is where I came from. But ultimately, you know, we say, I'm American. This is, you know, this is, this is where I live. That's my, that's my roots, but I'm American. But this group of people, they don't have a nationality outside of the nationality that God decreed into them. God kept his promise. It took 2,000 years. And, and so in humanity, that's outside of our understanding. But God restored them back to an actual homeland because God's faithful. God's faithful. Our kingdom is not of this earth. It is without borders. It is without geographical location. Because our kingdom is above. We are sojourners. We're nomads. We're coming and we're going. Verse 12 says, oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. I don't think this is a lack of faith. Again, I want to re-emphasize that. And we must be realistic when things are happening in our lives to recognize that our, our power comes from the Lord and him alone. We must recognize it's not a lack of faith to say I'm powerless against Satan. The reality is you are. If you think you're more powerful than Satan, he will beat you every single time. But if you realize, and you think that you're going to outsmart him, and you're going to mind over matter him, he'll make you feel like you are mind over mattering him right till the end, and then trick you, right? Who's heard those stories? You can believe them or not. I believe them. I mean, many of them. I don't know if every single one is true, but people who are dying, and they're, so, they're shocked that they're going to hell, and they thought they were going to heaven, and the Lord has mercy on them, sends them back, and they repent. Because they were in their own strength. Their testimony is that, I thought I was, but what I realized is that I was in my own strength, and I was living Christianity without Christ. I mean, how weird. I said his name, I went to the church, I read his Bible, but somehow we were disconnected and it was in my own human strength that I was doing all these things, building my own kingdom. Howard Pittman was a man that we had come to this church and that was his testimony. What God showed him was that he was doing it in his own strength. 60 some years old and then he ended up living till 90 something and his, for the next 30 years he quit his job, he just traveled the country telling people his testimony. And we need to know this, that we are powerless against what is happening in our lives, but we serve a God who is all-powerful and more powerful than you could possibly imagine. You can't even fathom God's power and God's might. 
we can sit and think and debate. And like I said, I look at space and wonder, and it's amazing. But I still don't understand. I think I do. Wow, God's so big. He's bigger than that. It's so much beyond. It's so big and so beyond what I understand. And this is the, the line that we must get to. God, there's an enemy that's trying to attack us. We don't know what to do, but we're looking to you for help. We don't know what to do, but we're looking to you. As all the men of Judah, verse 13, stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Esau of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Mananiah, Levite, who was a descendant of Asaph. That's a mouthful. And he said, listen, all you people of NNC. Listen, all you people of the Hudson Valley, New York. Listen. You're not listening. I'm saying it twice because you're not listening, he says to them. Listen. You're not listening. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Right now, we must shut every other voice off. Every opinion and every voice Shut it off. Shut it off in your life. Whatever the enemy is trying to speak right now, just shut it off. Because we need to know this is what the Lord says. This is what the Lord says. Whose voice are we listening to? And what is the Lord saying? I said some weeks ago, that we have to believe God's word and believe his promises and believe the prophets. Oop, can you believe it? Prophets. We have to believe them in such a way that even if we stand before the fires in Babylon and the king says to us, you know, is God going to save you? And, and you say, I believe he can and he will, but if he doesn't, I'd rather go into that fire and burn believing than deny him. That's the type of belief that we must have in his word and in him. Amen. He says in verse 15, continuing, do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army. This is the word of the Lord. He's a direct answer to his fear and discouragement. He responds to God. He repents before the Lord. You know, that's what the seeking of the Lord is. Uh, and, and fasted before him and got before him. And now the Lord is saying, I saw your fear. I saw your faith. Don't be afraid. Now it's a word from the Lord. That's the word of the Lord today. The word of the Lord to this church. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For this, by this mighty army. And here's the line from that song that TJ played this morning. For the battle is not yours, but God's. The battle is not yours, but God's. Now, there was a response. There was fasting, and there was prayer, and there was seeking. God wasn't saying, 
don't be involved. In fact, I'm just going to breeze through the end of it for time. But there's an involvement, but he wanted to make it clear to them that even though you're involved and you're seeking in your prayer and your fasting has caught my ear and you've reminded me of my promises, you need to know I'm going to deal with this. That's what the Lord's saying right now. He is going to deal with the enemy right now. God has stood up from his throne. I'm going to say it boldly. Stood up from his throne and said enough, and he's going to deal with the enemy himself in this hour. Tomorrow, verse 16, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still. The Lord's been prepping us about preparation. He's been telling us to be prepared, be prepared, be prepared. It almost gets to be heavy and you get almost bored of the word of the Lord because he's telling you prepare 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 we can't be bored I'm just saying that you know our human part hears it so much that we just become like oh yeah 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 I've heard that before and then there comes a time where all you can do preparation time I want to say this as a firm word from the Lord if you haven't prepared so far too late preparation time is over it's time to stand it's time right now to stand. That's the time we're in. Stand still. And there is an action to standing still, which I'm going to, in these next minutes, tell you exactly what it is. It's what we already did this morning, that while we're standing still and watch the Lord's victory, he is with you, O people of No Name Church in the Hudson Valley and the United States. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. It says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. That's just a reiteration of this whole story, right? It's in him. But in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Everybody say stand. We're going to put on the armor of God to stand against the wiles of the devil. We do not wrestle, wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, powers, is the New King James Version against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, verse 13, take up the whole armor of God that you, that's the preparation, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. So there was the preparation for the evil day. And having done all to stand, verse 14 says, stand therefore. I want you to say that out loud. Having done all to stand, stand there for. It's a moment now where you must just stand and look at the Lord, look to him and say, Lord, I know you've heard my prayers. I know you've seen the fasting. I know that you have seen my separation from this world and from I put the issues on the altar. I put my trust in you. I gave you my fear. I gave you my worry. There's nothing else that we can do but stand. And when he stands, it says, it says in verse 18, this is the type of standing that we do. 
At that moment, we don't stand bored. We don't twiddle our thumbs. We just keep rejoicing in what God is going to do because it's already been done in the supernatural. It says, because the word was decreed. You need to understand something that when the Lord says something, it's done. It's finished. It doesn't matter the strategies and plans. The devil thought, man, I'll secretly get inside of Jesus' organization. I'm going to get into Jesus' cabinet, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess with one of his own. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to get him because I can't get a foreigner to do it. I need to do it from the inside, and I'm going to get him to trick Jesus into being out where he goes to pray and think, oh, here I come just to see you. And meanwhile, here comes this military force with me and take him to the cross and crucify him. Now, the outside of our understanding is that God lets him do it. Meanwhile, we know the story. God was using Satan like a pawn. Because God is in control. This is the thing. You cannot look at the kingdoms of this earth and look at your situation. You cannot judge what's going on in your life moment by moment. You know, not even year by year. Because you don't know what God is trying to accomplish. That's why we have prepared our hearts. We put ourselves on the altar. And now I'm just, I'm a pawn in God's hand. And whatever you want to do with me, wherever you want to move with me, whatever you want to say through me, I'm yours. I'm a bondservant of Jesus Christ. And at that point, we have to remove ourselves from this natural. God's using evil. That's what he did. I mean, the whole Bible, he uses evil. This is not a new thing. It wasn't suddenly that he used Satan for his advantage. Go through the stories. He uses them all the time to show his glory. The only reason that Egypt was so drawn out was so that God's glory was brighter. Amen. Nobody liked that, though. They all got mad at Moses. You said you were going to do such and such. Now it's worse. We don't have time for that today. It says, this is their standing. It says, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Verse 18, so... He said, verse 17, take your position, stand still, watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Back to verse 18. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of Kohath and Korah stood to praise the Lord. So their standing is praising God, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. And early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And on the way, Hoshaphat stopped and said, Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem and no-name church in the Hudson Valley, New York, in the United States. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to to stand firm believe in his prophets and you will succeed and after consulting the people the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army tj would you and the band please come i want to do that song one more time 
After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. And at the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the enemies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. And the armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. And after they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground. As far as they could see, not a single one of the enemy had escaped. King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder, and they found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it all. And on the fourth day, they gathered in the Valley of Barakah, the Valley of Blessing, says which got its name that day because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. Because the people praised and thanked the Lord. They praised and thanked him before they ever saw any victory. Do you understand this story? The Bible says that there was a lookout. They had to come up and look out. They hadn't seen any victory yet. The Bible says that before they could see their victory, they praised God like they had their victory because they believed God and not the reports of man. It says, then all the men returned to Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat, leading them overjoyed that the Lord had given them victory over their enemies. They marched into Jerusalem to the sound of mu the music of harps and lyres and trumpets, and they proceeded to the temple of the Lord. And when all the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord himself, the Lord himself had fought against the enemies of Israel, the fear of God came over them. So Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. Is it possible that God allowed this situation because he wanted to make sure that the surrounding nations know, don't mess with my people. So temporarily, it's going to look like my people have nowhere to go so they can cry out in such a way that they won't have the victory anymore. It's not, oh, look how strong Judah is. It's look how strong the God of Judah is. Amen. 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 We must live in this time not making God so natural. Why can't we in 2020 be a nation, be a people that is known? Why can't we be known in the world? We're talking present tense while science is ruling the day, that that's a nation that God literally rules over. Why does that ha sound so strange? Because of course, the world makes us feel like that's strange, but why can't we be a nation like that? It's right there in my word. And so we just give you glory, Lord. We give you praise. We give you honor.